hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Um, I'm here with Joe. Uh, my name's Mark, in case you've forgotten. Um, and we've been following the case of Andrasani. Right, I put my teeth back in. Uh, we are on the last leg. The fifth Doctor, he's pretty much on his last leg as well. In fact, he crawls quite a lot. He's pretty much given up the goat at this point. So it's Covered in mud, blood. And Nicola Bryant's boobs throughout this and episode. Boobs and bat milk. And bat milk. <laughs> <laughs> Among other things. <laughs> you know what the last shot he did was him milking the Queen Bat. That was the last yes. shot he did. Uh -huh. JNT tried to rewrite history a little bit and says, oh yeah, we did the regeneration last. But everything I read seems to suggest that his last shot was milking a bloody big bat. Thank God he did that comic release special. Otherwise, the, you know, the last thing he would have done as Doctor Who is having his hands groping some others. I know, great big bat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my cards on the table. I think there are certain single episodes of Doctor Who, uh, which are practically flawless, and I think the invasion episode six. The one that ends with the cliffhanger them punching out the sewers is one. Uh -huh. I think Inferno episode seven, which leads yeah. up to the lava rolling down. Yes. Um, I think Genesis of the Daleks one is mm -hmm. practically flawless. And uh, ooh, like there's some in McCoy's time as well. Curse of Fenric four is uh -huh. absolutely first episodes that nail it. I think the thing is people agonize over the first episode. But by the last script, they're usually running out of steam a bit. Quite often, stories fall flat in that last hurdle. Caves of Androzani is a is an exception in that it's it's a story that's built and built and built and built all to this climax. Brilliant. Do you think there's any part of this episode where it's just like where it isn't firing on all cylinders, where 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 he has forgotten to tie something up, or where a character doesn't come to? A satisfactory ending i can't think of anything no not i can't either it's robert holmes just his plotting is perfection in this he's done a really good job because he's not always been brilliant at finales nice. um, final episodes there's stories that certainly during the hinchcliffe era that oh, were let down is justly lauded yeah but the climaxes to every practically every story in 14 uh -huh. falls apart oh, yeah, almost all of them sort of peter out, especially Mask of Mandragora. But it just doesn't really, it's, yeah. Like, I don't know about you, on. but I wouldn't even say no to a salami yeah, sandwich. salami sandwich. Filth, I'll tell you, honestly. Yes, then he wields his salami. <laughs> he does. It's impressive as well. It's massive. He brandishes it, Sarah Jane Smith. That's, that's, that's. <laughs> yeah, tart, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, could you imagine? Imagine this was a few years later. Could you imagine Bonnie in this? <laughs> Being groped and <laughs> sexualized because that, that didn't really happen to her at all, did it? No, I think she was treated very much as a child and almost she was a very young companion and treated as such. Whereas Perry, there's not much of an age difference between her and Bonnie Langford. 
Um, Nicola Bryant is this lusted after figure. And then I think Bonnie, perhaps because she'd been a child actress, yeah. there was maybe this fear of shattering people's innocence slightly. And GNT probably wanted to have some differentiation between Perry and, and Mel. So he went, right, well, we'll have lusted after. We'll have somebody who's just seems very sexless in comparison. When Sophie Aldry comes along, it's mm. a bit more mature, isn't it? Like she's having she's having like emotional feelings for people and it's reciprocated yes. most of the time. The the one time when they lean into her being sexualized, that dreadful sequence in case uh Curse of Fenric. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's a bit of that's her skin and all of that. Oh my god. It's quite an awkward one, that sequence. <laughs> well, I suppose uh, I've, I've heard that survival could be seen as like a metaphor for a sexual awakening, a kind of like the, the beast in you. Uh -huh. But it doesn't feel like it beats you around the head as much as that sequence in Curse of Henrik, which just feels quite awkward. <laughs> I just don't think at any point Ace is exploited. Whereas uh -huh. I think most of the time Perry is exploited. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, I know I've laboured that point a lot throughout this commentary, but it is so obvious here, you know, and there's been moments where I've turned away from the screen where I'm just like, oh, I don't also want to watch this, you know. Like, yeah, it sets your teeth on edge slightly. It's a, it becomes a recurring theme for her, most of her run, even right up to Mind Warp. The people are always after her body in some, want to either mutilate it or inhabit it or... They simply lust after her. Because it's... she goes out. She literally, oh. they toss out the contents of her brain and oh. someone literally utilises her body. Yeah, and it's it's some send-off for, for that. It, it kind of feels like it was always building up to that, I guess. No, I think it is. I think, for me, it's because we are kind of, if you're a good parent, you're protected from a lot oh. of the nasty stuff that's happening in the world. So when you kind of see it, in an adventure serial like this, it's all very exciting and you kind of gobble it up. When you become an adult, you're surrounded by this very cynical world and the nasty things that occur in it. And suddenly, like, this all seems less innocent than it did. Oh, yeah. I think that's like, why I probably don't revisit this as much. It's still a good story and it still holds up very well. But I'd rather watch Death to the Daleks. I can yeah, watch that. Stuff that, that is a bit more childish or a bit more innocent oh. or just a bit more fun. I, I love the Graham yeah. Williams era for that reason. Oh, yes, absolutely. Brilliant. Love the Graham Williams. There's a real lightness of touch with the Graham Williams era that's it's delightful. And I don't think enough people appreciate it for that. Well, I'll tell you what. We've talked about reasons why this is fucking amazing. And we've talked uh -huh. about reasons why people should avoid this like the plague should we uh, watch something? i think we should yes <laughs> well i'll count us in then all right in five four three two one let's go god i feel like we covered this well you know this story oh i was really came into it worried that we weren't gonna have anything original to say or anything of real interest but i think we've, we've been quite we've covered a lot of ground we'll just sit here in silence now for the next 25 minutes yeah wow people will enjoy it it's fine we can just chip in now and again <laughs> yeah do you know what i got a message earlier when i said i was doing this today um are you talking to that uh handsome northerner with the sexy accent 
There you go. You're getting a name for yourself already. And I went, no, it's not Fraser. It's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Well, let's brush past that because I don't know what to do with compliments. So... <laughs> I'm the same. I am the same. So here we go. A reprise of the cliffhanger. Now, yeah. I can't help but notice his salary's turning a little bit blue. I think maybe he may he be is. around the gases of the practice range. He might well be. Gosh. That could be what the purple on that uh, flame is. Could Wouldn't it be funny if it was actually the gas coming off that that killed him in the end? <laughs> as you said at the start, top of the story. And I, obviously, my cat agrees with you. Mm. Look at that shot through the door over his shoulder. Oh. Come on. I'm, I'm going to keep pointing out fantastic bits of direction. Oh. oh, yeah. There's so much going on. Oh, my God. You know the bit in, later on, right, where Stotts murders his whole crew. He thinks he's, you think he's just going to walk. Oh. He turns uh -huh. around. To my God. <laughs> I've never wanted uh -huh. a character more in Doctor Who than in that moment. Honestly. <laughs> What's wrong with me, honestly? Well... I hope you, know, you don't have any live ammunition in your bedroom. Uh, ask, ask me a roll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, this action now is so mm. good, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Davison goes, he made me run up and down this quarry all day. <laughs> he got grit in his eye. There's all the, the shots uh, in the sand in the next shot or two where the shots are fire away across the, across the ground. And he got grit in his eye, so they lost time shooting on location from that. And they also lost time on location because Pe um, Nicola Bryant um, was on the verge of hypothermia. So she got sent home early. Yeah, the, apparently the doctor said to her, what have you been doing? Staying out in the freezing cold with no clothes on? And she's like, well, yeah. Basically. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, another shot there, which the camera was down low and, and he'd set it up so the bullets would explode out of the sand. Another great shot. The, the best one in a minute is where Davidson literally comes rolling down this sand dune. Uh -huh. Oh, and yeah. Just... Uh, there's a slow motion explosion right next to his head. Oh, gosh. They really go for it. I think Graham Harper just knew how to get the best out of people. The lighting, the costume design, everything's just working really effectively. What's funny is, is he says in the um, documentary that like he was kind of a novice and he mm. wanted it to be as exciting as possible, but like he just didn't he he didn't have the experience to do it. Well, mm. I don't think you can tell that watching it. No, but apparently he was on he he reason he came down on the floor was because he just wanted to improvise all the time. And then, well, let's try this, oh. let's try that, you know. And that's probably why this is so visually inventive. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, and it excited the cast as well. I think they wanted to give they're all because they were they, they were all feeding off one another's excitement and and off graham's energy apparently the only other person who directed from the floor was peter grimwade but he was a complete oh. psychopath so yes i have the stories yeah people don't talk so fondly about him oh my god is this the bit where he gets literally oh, blown off the just, set by the oh it's fine we've got our belt plates on that's yeah. it he's got oh Yes, because that was great. In the end of the last episode, he goes, um, uh, I've changed the belt plate settings to this. General Chelek, my dear, is in for a big uh -huh. surprise. Yes. It's like it's like uh, grand opera, isn't it? It's, uh -huh. it's you know, like a tragedy on a massive scale. Uh, completely melodramatic. Everybody's outwitting everybody. Nobody's talking. Everybody's fighting. Uh-huh. 
and they're all they're, no, nobody understands each other it's complete misunderstandings that motivate this whole story it's all just driven by hubris and idiocy to be honest because they're all just fighting over something that prolongs life mm. you know i i'm gonna say something pretty controversial now i don't think there's much action in the new series that is as excitingly directed as this i think they've mm. kind of shied away from physical action in the new series and their sequence is oh. like um do you remember the bit with the daleks and the sidemen on the bridge in doomsday uh-huh. and the daleks attacking gallifrey in day of the doctor but it's all very special effects heavy and i don't really mm. i'm not really i'm not invested in it like i am with this oh i think it was like we were i can't remember if we said this off mic but we were talking about physical effects and digital effects the difference in quality if it's a physical effect it it has that reality you feel like you're in there a bit more than you would with cgi or with you know like radiophonic sound effects as well a really effective sound is so good whereas there's no radiophonic workshop these days so the 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 revival it's relying on stock and fully artists and it's, it doesn't have the same feel to it sometimes. I just, I don't know, like taking the action from Day of the Doctor, for example, you've got John Hurt there standing there with a big gun blowing no more in slow motion. Oh. And you know what? It's like, you know, it's pretty cool, but it's, I don't know. And there's a lot of posturing when I think about it. There are, there's a lot of hero poses and stances, but not action. He's exhausted and bloody and oh. filthy you know and that's just yeah. that's visceral it's it's mm-hmm. urgent it's immediate you know yeah and you can feel it yeah you can really feel it in this story there's it's just so affecting i bet that shower's jet costume had some desired effects on people you know all that leather what <laughs> At least they shot it in December. It would have been bloody roasting any other time of year. Right. Why did he wear in one glove? Oh, has he got one disfigured hat? Yeah. Oh, no, we're coming up to that bit. Really scared me as a kid. Where he's like, okay. Jack, no! And then all you see is the mud go over a rock. And it's enough uh, to tell you something pretty horrible has just happened to Jedi. Yeah, it's a scream that sells it. It's, it's absolute desperation when he's cornered because he thinks he's about to have his moment of victory. He's been so ineffectual, so so much of the story. And then Chellax got Jack. Brilliant. He's going to have his moment of victory. And he's dead two seconds later. And if you want, there's no ma- moment more operatic than the bit where he pulls his mask off and he just screams. Ah, <gasps> oh, it's great. I mean, you okay. could... You could Say again? I'm getting really wrapped up in this now. <laughs> oh, we're getting very excited. Uh-huh. Very excited. But Morris Rose says in the documentary that, you know, violence isn't always, the best violence isn't always what you see. It's what's implied and then oh. mind does the rest. So I don't need to see uh, Krelpa being blown away by a load of bullets because oh. yeah. I know that that's horrific, you know? Mm. Season uh, 22 gets very explicit with showing you the violence. And it's oh. something, I wouldn't say it's as scary. Seeing Lytton's hands all bloody, I mean, it's nasty, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. 
but it's you know it's kind of video nasty nasty oh seeing um chillax scream and then go off camera and then the mother oh. yeah mind's doing good. terrible things to him you know absolutely and i think they're yeah they're, they're the actors are selling it so well that you you go with it anyway maurice roves he has his swagger when he comes back in and he just shoots them down and walks off it you you learn so much about his character in that moment that complete utter betrayal of these his crew just pff, doesn't matter to him and off he saunters i'm gonna go and make my millions did you ever watch battlestar galactica no oh okay so there's um oh, oh maybe i shouldn't tell you well the base there's a moment in this fourth season where oh. it's the last season so they decide to bump off a load of the characters in one oh. shock moment so it's the mm. entire political core of this uh oh. of this colony and they all literally get murdered in a hail of bullets and it's so shocking you don't see it coming at all oh, got two was doing it 30 years earlier yeah I think there's a lot that could be learned from Doctor Who. There's some of the storytelling is, I think that there is a lot of truth when they said, writing the classic series, they didn't have the money, so they had to put more thought into the stories. Janet Fielding says that people shouldn't go to college and things like this and then universities to learn their trade. Give them a Doctor Who script, give them 25 quid and say, design this thing. That's your education. Oh, yeah, because it's... It's miraculous what they often pulled off and managed to achieve. Because, I mean, uh, John Hurst, who's the designer uh, for this, he'd also done, he also did the sets for Planet of the Daleks. And again, it's a largely studio-based story. It's the scrag end of the budget for the season. It manages to pull off something pretty remarkable. Mm. I'm not that... spending any more money on this than you're oh, who I just think yeah. it's creatively put together. Hmm. oh yeah oh no here's that bit where she sees his face and she's crying her eyes out oh, oh. miserable poor perry yeah she's having oh. a really bad day after and then what's the what literally what is the worst thing they could possibly do to her after hmm. subjecting her to all this take her back to this place of safety and have the doctor try and murder her Ah, uh -huh. yeah it's I, I, yeah it's quite brave of them to go for the characterization they chose for twin dilemma right. <laughs> <laughs> that's my diplomatic me. word i'd say oi you rainbow covered git <laughs> or at least drop me off and i'll shack up with brian blessed that'll do <laughs> <laughs> oh here she is crowding in oh yes I like when she gets her legs up on the table. I deposed you. <laughs> I am now the chairman of the series. Yes. <laughs> oh, she's relishing it. She knows how much he's worth and she's got so much dirt on him. He's such a ham. Falsehoods, fabrication, malicious lies. You can't have any proof. <laughs> and yet normally he says it so seriously. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, but we've not really commented on him. He, his performance, John Norman, is brilliant in this. It's not a performance I think you notice because it's mm. good. Oh, uh, yeah. I think, it, I think it's what's so great because when you... Knowing that they wanted to get some really big stunt casting for this story and the fact that those plans didn't really happen is brilliant 
I think this story would have been overshadowed if it had David Bowie or Mick Jagger or Roger Daltrey in it, because they're such big names. We would probably be sitting, well, we are sitting talking about them, but this, the focus would be totally different because you'd be going, oh, would David Bowie have really done Shara's Jet justice? I mean, we don't know, do we? Could have been. Know, sure. Yeah. Like, would it have been better than this? I doubt it. I doubt it. It would yeah, have to be something bloody good if it was going to be better than this. Yeah. And with Normington, you like it would have been very easy to take the lines that he's had and over. Yeah, imagine Lewis Fiender from uh, Nightmare of Eden. Yeah. It would have been all cod accents and over the top. Mm-hmm. Whereas he just plays it so dispassionately that the the horror in the lines comes out even more. You know. Oh yes, because he's so stony faced. He takes himself completely seriously, and it never slips. You know what's really bad about this bit that turns me on an awful lot? Is that he actually goes, bye-bye, and then walks off. Ah, bye, lads. Because <laughs> he's got the gun, and he goes, oh, bye, lads, lifts it. I think it's because, you know, right there. it's the bad boy thing. I think that's what it is. Because he's he's all bad, isn't he? That's it. He'd be good for a one-night, oh. but you wouldn't want a relationship with him. No, God, no, he would do... The doctor's still striving to save the day. Well, to save Perry, he's not interested in this petty squabble over Spectrox. The bit towards the end when he comes in and he scoops Perry up and he leaves, he's so... For the doctor who, a few stories before, was saying there should have been another way, Mm. he is oblivious to the chaos around him. Most of it has not even been at his instigation. Like the actual narrative itself. He hasn't driven the narrative at all. Like, his... Mm. Him being there has been the catalyst for the entire narrative, yes. but his involvement in the narrative has been minimal. Nothing. Uh-huh. You know. It's so clever. It's 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 almost like like the absolute opposite of what Doctor Who should be. Uh-huh. You're making the Doctor as ineffective as he can possibly be. Which again is something that Sayward uses in the following year when you've got Colin Baker absent from large chunks of the story or completely removed from the situation in the first part of Revelation of the Daleks, for example. Oh, poor Perry. Look at those nasty walls on her leg. That's horrible. Uh-huh. It's a very nasty case of urticaria. <laughs> he does say that, doesn't he? <laughs> no, I do like these things, though, where they're suddenly working together. Like, they've got something in common oh. now. They want to save her. Yeah, it's they're, they're both... They're the, they're the only people that show any compassion throughout this celery soup that sounds disgusting well, celery soup's all right <laughs> I don't know, i've never tried it um, let's not go off on a tangent about celery soup when <laughs> i a bit uh, in it, by the way <laughs> when i first watched this i genuinely thought she might die like i, oh, I yeah. didn't know much about the nuts and bolts of doctor who but i i, I it, this was being played like uh-huh yeah, if you're if as a young kid, if you don't know narrative structure, if you don't know to check the following week's radio times to see if she's in the bill in the billing, it would feel as real as it could be. I mean, it's the most, it's some of the worst um, situation that any companion's been put through. To be honest, she's nearest to death of any of them. You know what's what's weird is to make Davison the most doctorish doctor is not to make him <clears throat> like dominant or in charge like Hartnell or Pertwee 
or to make him like you know mischievous and Machiavellian like Troughton mm. or just you know silly like Tom Baker mm. it's to make him utterly desperate <laughs> yeah he's always that, that sort of breathless trying to just get through a situation um, and to resolve it he's there's always just that willingness to try and fix things and and, and compassion at the is a big driving force for this doctor. Like even really, in modern age, when he's prepared to give up all his lives to save everybody. Really, this story is Morgus and Sharis Jake's story, isn't it? They're the they're the major players in this story. Oh, yeah. about... The whole war revolves around around their battle. Jack wants vengeance on Morgus. Morgus wants more money. Jack's getting in the way of all that. So he's being tender with her now. Okay. Uh-huh. I still can't quite forgive him for how polling he was earlier, but there we go. Has he come across the magma creature yet? And when he goes, oh, you're having a terrible day as well. I think he's about to. Okay. Oh, it's yes, like- he is. There we go. Yeah. Oh. oh, look at all the gunk coming off his teeth. Oh. Ooh. Could do with flossing. Good faith, see. Oh, here we go. Okay, so this is the big climax now. Oh, the fact that Jack gives away his position because he turns on the fan to try and cool Perry down. That seals his fate. I've never thought of that. I've never... Mm. Wow, look at that. Matt shot there. Ah. Of Davison going... Doing that with next to no time left, I bet. That's really effective. And, you know, earlier on when you saw the mud going past him, Mm. that was kind of like... And he's just on the side... Yeah, well done as well. Oh, Sharish Jake, the time is up. Mm. He gets one of those amazing rubber homes. You stinking awful, Morgus. Look at me. Rips off that mask. Oh, here we go. Milky in the bat. The last thing he did. Oh, I can actually see the bat for once. Normally, I think, I think I've got the contrast. Yeah, I've never noticed it so clearly. Look at that head. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's umbrella for a wing. Oh, wow. Sorry, we're both gripped now. We're <laughs> gripped by the story. <laughs> this is a rarity for Hampton with a blunt pen knife. We are so gripped by the story, we have stopped talking. Yep, there are actually been moments where we've paused. Oh, here we go. go. So the murder count here, it's just one murder after another, isn't Ah, it? Boom, 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 all bumped off. First of all, and and I criticise the Sword Era for doing this, but I think this is one story where this is justified. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I think there's enough motivation for everything that goes on. Look at that horrible eye. So what happened? A mud burst caught his face? Yeah, because uh, he's doing. Or, yeah, because he lied. He did. He tampered with the uh, the alarms that would warn him of a mud burst. So he thought he was safe. So they were going to refine Spectrox together. Ah, uh-huh. and, and make their money. Kill him! Oh my God! Here we go. So, Stotts shoots Sharish Jack, and Salatine shoots Stotts. Yep. And I don't know what happens to Morgus, but it's horrible. Is he decapitated in that machine? It, I, 
I think in the script it's described as being some part of his equipment for like a laser or some sort for making and producing the androids. Ah. So essentially sort of burnt his brain out with a laser. I bet. Salah team, hold me! And then, oh. It's so over the top, I love it. Yeah. And then there's the doctor. He doesn't even register all this chaos. He's out of there. Basically, he says, fuck you guys, I'm off. Uh, there's nothing I can do here anyway. I've been trying to tell you guys for the last hour and a half what's been going on. Mm. Yeah. You all deserved your you fate. Mm-hmm. And like literally the the one triumph they could possibly have in this story is to get out alive. Yeah. And one of them doesn't even do that. Uh-huh. I think he drops Nicola Bryant here, you know. Yeah, look. Probably thumps her head on the TARDIS as well, I bet you. Look at the state of him, though. I can't think of a time when the Doctor's that messy, you know? Uh-huh. I can't imagine Tom Baker would have allowed the Doctor to be seen to be so desperate. So it's, it's quite telling of Peter Davison that he really invested and it was willing to go along with this. Because you see Tom Baker in the studio footage of Logopolis um, for the regeneration sequence and uh, they say, oh, would you beckon? And he goes, oh, I don't like the sound of a beckon. Yeah, he's vicious, isn't he? Ah, he doesn't want to be seen as he's the hero. He doesn't. That's not heroic enough for him, whereas Davison is as fragile as can be. He won't even let the TARDIS materialise quietly. There's slow motion mm. explosions going off left, right, and centre. Oh, yeah. oh, and poor Nicola Bryant, the, the the file with the bat milk in it had been a prop that had held um, look uh, watered down Dettol in it all day. And then when they suddenly realised that she had to drink it, they emptied that out quickly, put some milk in, but they didn't rinse it. Oh no! So she's choking on Dettol, <laughs> along with her hypothermia. Ah, uh-huh. she was at a bad time with it. Look, Peter Davison goes on an awful lot here about how he's upstaged by her breasts, but, mm. um, well, you should act better then. <laughs> he, is, he is fantastic here. It's, um, of all the classic series for generations, it's, I think it's certainly the most visually interesting and the most dramatic as well. Well, oh. in terms of drama, I really like three into four not the transformation but the scene uh uh-huh. yeah i like the set i remember the first time seeing it i did get a bit sort of teary-eyed because i'd I'd seen it out of context but i'd never seen it within the story and perry was the first doctor that i knew quite well from having most of his vhs's as a kid and I it was the last story of his i ever saw was planet of the spiders his is the only one where you actually see the doctor die isn't it and then there's a oh before the regeneration oh, yeah because yeah, they have to prompt it to happen in the end is turlo tegan a bit chameleon for some reason nissa uh-huh. who had chicken pots at the time she was quite poorly serious at he looks quite cute there doesn't he mm. he's got a little comb over yes. he said at the time that he was really he was really annoyed that he wasn't uh, busy <laughs> he said i would love to be able to say i'm unavailable but i was out of work <laughs> Um, Graham Harper says that what he wanted was essentially the effect they have in the new series now for it to be this like build up and build up and then um, just a massive like explosion and he says like he got about 70% of what he wanted but it's Uh not quite there I think for the money they add Uh it's terrific it's great and I think it sets the foundation of what's to come because when the series does come back they obviously hark back to Graham Harper's idea and they go, that's exactly what we should be doing. Mm. 
Oh my God, this slide. Three eyes in one breath. It makes you sound a rather egotistical young man, Mark. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> oh, seems not a moment too soon. There, there are go. many cruel people, you know, that say that that's Colin Baker's best performance in Doctor Who. Oh, that's unfair. I disagree, but see. Uh -huh. yeah. Why is his face all colourful like that? <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> oh, it's very colourful from the off, I suppose, his, his old era. Yeah. And, uh, and, and his costume and... Oh, <laughs> really? Um, okay, well, look. That was extraordinarily good. Oh, yes. Now you have the unenviable task to choose but three <laughs> reasons as to why you would recommend this story to people. And I think people have had recommendations for Case of Androzani their entire lives. So we need something unique and purely Mark. So nothing too challenging there then. Um, I can't say it's necessarily unique, but Christopher Gable, I don't think he gets quite enough um of the attention for what he accomplishes in this story he's really brilliant um should we back Roger, back do you want to do yes, one my unique one is it's not the twin dilemma there we go no no that's not fair that's not fair. <laughs> i'm only saying that because twin dilemma started on brickbox and i can yeah, already fucking hmm. twins are on my screen uh -huh. already doing their equations or whatever it is they're up to no no okay so um I don't know about would you be doing equations in your bedroom at that age well now i'd be wanking no exactly they're just there's something fundamentally wrong with those twins <laughs> strange triangular oh they're playing chess are they? hang on we're doing a twin dilemma commentary now good grief yeah well yes i know that's that's somebody else's <laughs> some brave poor soul Pete is <laughs> doing that one. Um, uh, good luck. Good luck. Okay, so I am going to praise the music of Roger Lim, which I don't think gets enough attention in the two mm. stories directed by Graham Harper, because I think he sets the tone for this story brilliantly in a uh, way that he really doesn't with a lot of his other stories. Mm -hmm. Back to you. I'm going to say Eric Seward for keeping his hands off the script. Oh, that's a goodie. That is uh -huh. a goodie. All right. I'm going to say Nicola Bryan, because I think a lot of people praise Peter Davison, but I think Nicola Bryan gives one of the best ever companion uh -huh. performances in this uh, with some very, very challenging material. And yeah. I've heard it said before that she's possibly too good at that. And mm -hmm. we've kind of talked about why. Um and it should never have been done again. But mm. within the context of this story, she is breathtaking. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I need to think of something else that hasn't been said before. Mm. Could go like mad and say the magma creature or something like that, you know? <laughs> well, it got a six pack and some. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and a cape. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I, I, thought, I thought of a third one. Oh, first, it might inspire you. Go for it. Um, me, it's the the fact that for once within the Eric Saywood era, 
murdering off the entire guest cast is entirely justified and every single one is fucking brilliant every murder is memorable and shocking and deserved that's a good one absolutely i think it's yeah i think we've said it already but yeah so carefully structured this story and everything pays off really well um well, technically that is a third thing you just said there you know what did i, did I just sort of uh, oh well let's go with that then it's like a perfect jigsaw puzzle yes absolutely there's plenty of other doctor who stories where they've got all the pieces and they never quite put them together right but in this case i think they did can you think of a script as tight as this elsewhere i'm not sure i can you know Remember the Daleks? That's pretty tight. That's pretty strong. I think when it comes to the classic run, there's not many that don't have some slip up or plot hole. And in Caves and Remembrance are strong contenders. I think Blink is another really positive one. Oh, that's a new series. Plotted to the mm. end, that one. Yeah. And I think it deserves all the praise it gets. Um, although it, it, it did move uh, Caves of Androzani down the ranking as of stories back in 2013 when they last did a poll in Doctor Who magazine. So I Caves... Was one. Uh, it was in 2009. In 2013, ah. the day the Doctor took it. It's first, followed by Blink, followed by Genesis of the Daleks. Mm. Caves is bumped to fourth place and it had been first. It was number one, really? I think that's probably because it was still fresh in people's minds. I think we're all still living off the yay anniversary special vibes. Whereas I'd be interested to see if they voted now where it would come. Do you think if it would, that power came out two years ago, Timeless Children would have been number one? Well, it might not be number one, but I think it would be <laughs> higher up the ranking than it would be with uh, retrospect. Uh, a bit of time to think about it. Oh, <laughs> bless no, I love him. Uh, well, look here. Now, that was it. Terrific fun talking about the case of Androzani. Um, I'm hoping that you're going to be bold enough to come back and do another one of these. Maybe. I could be persuaded. I'd be surprised and delighted, in fact. Pick a number between one and seven. No, wait. I've changed my mind. Pick a number oh. between nine and 13. Nine. Oh, okay. We can number between one and thirteen. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, I've just done the end of the world. God. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I'm with you now. I'm with you now. Right. Okay. We can uh, number between nine and thirteen again. Ten. Okay. Pick a number between one and three. Three. Okay. Pick a number between one and thirteen. Three. Stop thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> then your next episode is Planet of the Ood. Oh, I can live with that. Yes. Ooh, I love that episode. That's Graham Harper That's again. Good one. Yes. Oh, brilliant. Even better. With that evil uh, woman who you think is going to be really, really good and then she sells out yeah. and gets murdered. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I've watched that again recently and it's, it still holds up well. That's a good episode. I think that's, do you know what? I think that's probably the closest kind of classic feeling 
new series episode that there is. It really feels like an old classic series, Doctor Who. That one. Yeah, it, yeah, it does. There's something about it, isn't there? From the Sword era as well, because it's pretty graphic and violent too. Oh gosh, the reveal at the end. That's that's. We've gone off doing twin dilemma. About it all now. We're already talking about Planet of the Ooze. Oh. How about we just say for now until next time? Yes, until then. <laughs>